0: Welcome to
1: Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. We're your host, Natalie Kavorik, a rancher and pharmacist from Nebraska. And Tara Vanderdusen, a dairy farmer and environmental scientist from New Mexico. And together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a variety of trending topics in the ag and food space. So you can better understand our food system and feel connected to the hands that feed us. And we are back today with episode 106. It is one of our final two episodes of our summer debunking series. If you are new here, in June, we started with this debunking series, and we started with Game Changers, and we had um, our guest was Lauren Twigg, who is a registered dietitian. And then we highlighted Beyond Impossible with producer of the film Vinny That Those are episodes 91 and 93. And in July, we debunked Cowspiracy, and we highlighted... Sacred Cow with producer Diana Rogers. And those are episodes 98 and 100. And today we are doing our final debunk of Seaspiracy with special guest, Valentine Thomas. Welcome to Discover Ag. We are so happy to have you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I am personally very excited, Valentine, because I have followed you for a very long time on social media. And I don't say this often on the podcast. I don't tell people to pause the podcast and leave. But you guys, if you are not following Valentine on social media on Instagram, you need to. She has a very beautiful, very interesting, fascinating feed. So I am very excited to have you on from a fangirl perspective, but also because Tara and I are cattle girlies. We are not fish girlies by any means. And so it is really exciting to be able to debunk something that I feel like is doing major disservice to the seafood industry and have your expert opinion to um, guide us through that. So why don't you kind of walk our audience through a little bit of your origin story, let them know how you're connected to fishing, and then we can just, pun intended, deep dive right on into Seaspiracy.
2: Sounds good. Well, I'm born and raised in Montreal. Um, I'm a lawyer uh, by training, and then I lived in London for about seven years. What I work in a hedge fund. Uh, weirdly enough, when I first moved to London, I made friends with people who were very much into spearfishing very randomly. Um, they forced me to try it, and a few years later, I quit my job and decided to make
1: a job out of it. I want to get started on kind of uh, this film, Seaspiracy. It came out in 2020, 2021, like very much, I feel like during the pandemic and really took off during Netflix. Um, I watched it right away when it came out. Natalie, as we have found, does not watch any of these films until we are debunking them. Um, But we want to start kind of with what our initial thoughts were. And my initial thoughts were it was really, really similar to Cowspiracy. No surprise, same people, same producers, everyone that was behind it. And it was just very much this like person on a quest to discover like, you know, more about the fishing industry, more about plastics in the ocean, kind of that lone wolf to solve like marine life issues. And it was one of those films, just like Cowspiracy, all over the place, like a jump from topic to topic, you could not even keep up. And so that was it was just felt very similar. But I would love to hear your thoughts on it before we get to Natalie.
2: So I mean, when I first watched Cowspiracy, my first reaction was, what the fuck? <laughs> Pardon <laughs> my French. <laughs> uh, they just, they just, they, again, like they, they, they drown you with, ha, <laughs> <laughs> got <put. laughs> <laughs> it They didn't even purpose. Uh, they literally they drown you with a bunch of like explosive facts and information to try to stick in your brain towards a specific narrative. Everybody who was involved in that documentary, same as Past Piercy, they're all vegan. So of course, like as soon as there's an agenda behind something, then you always have to be wary of of ex- everything that's being said. Um, the what I'm going to actually start with is the fact that with Transparency and What the Help and all those documentaries, they keep saying they keep uh, basically one of their main points is all of those organizations they are backed by the need industry, right? Right. 15 minutes at the end of the document, they have a massive, what you can only call an advertising for fake shrimp. A, don't tell me you didn't get money from it. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, you're doing the exact same thing that you're basically paying other people by saying you just, you're saying that people don't have credibility because there's funding coming from the meat industry. Fun fact, as you probably know, Beyond Meat is owned by Tyson Meat it's the same thing in a seafood industry. It's, again, if you have an advertising 15 minutes about fake shrimp, then you do have invested interest in this.
0: Yeah, and one of the other similarities, um, which will probably you guys reference continually over and over again because it was the same tactics, just a different industry. But um, I think instead of giving my initial opinions, what I want to point out is kind of my initial frustration again, and it was very similar to Cowspiracy. But I feel like it actually eat it at me a little bit more with this episode and you highlighted it already a little bit by talking about the organizations valentine but one thing that made me so frustrated about this is they really took some probably i'm going to be interesting again to hear your opinion about some of the organizations they featured and the spokespeople within it because i'm not again fish out of water here but um I feel like they really took some organizations that were probably doing good things for the sustainability seafood industry and really painted them in a very poor lighting, which could affect their funding. It could affect future projects. Like To me, if you, as the producers of this film, and your overall message is, quote unquote, to expose the negative parts the industry because you care so much about it, right? Not because you have an agenda for something else, because you just love you know sustainability in the fishing industry and you want to save it. I feel like instead of tearing down these organizations and twisting their words and taking these poor spokesman's and basically I feel like, you know, only highlighting certain clips, like I cannot get the one of the dolphin when he was like, well, can you tell me it's a hundred percent, you know, dolphin safe? And he's like, well, no, I can't like a hundred percent say that. Like, obviously no one can. And then they just like ran with that. And I'm like, you just really degraded these organizations that are probably at the end of the day doing some very positive things.
2: It was not even on an organization perspective. It was how to they portrayed fishermen as being those horrible people who lie about fishing and lie about their catches. And it's they're probably the biggest advocates for the, for the ocean. So just why portray them like they're evil in this, in this place? They're trying to make a living exactly mm. like, like, like everybody is. So it's just why, why do that? And when it comes to organization, they did that to that um, the one you mentioned and also with the with MSC. DMAC. Look, the MSC is not perfect. Nothing is perfect in the food industry unless you have land and you literally kill nothing, not even a single rat. Don't use pesticide. Uh, don't do anything. You grow your own veggies. First of all, good luck and nutritional point of view, perspective to survive on that, but whatever. <laughs> you do you. like it's you, Anything will have an impact. So it's, again, it's like, how do you want to, okay, cool. Maybe, like you said, no, it's not 100% sure that no dolphin died. Also, when your soy was picked up, do you know how many baby deer? Do you know how many, uh, like, rodents die? It's it's not – nobody is blood-free when it comes to eating Mm -hmm.
1: food,
2: not even a vegan diet.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think your point about, like, how they painted fishermen and women was really frustrating to me because similar to animal ag, like, on land, we have to care for our land and our cattle in order to make money. And so the same with the oceans. Like, they're going to care – absolutely about the health of the ocean. If we ran out of fish, like, they're not going to have a living anymore. So obviously they're going to care about that. And so painting that different picture was extremely frustrating to me. Um, And I think that kind of goes to my next question for you. You know, Natalie mentioned that we are obviously cattle in the cattle industry. And so in the previous debunkings with Cowspiracy, we could bring a lot of our own like professional opinions to the conversation with this. This is something we just do not know that much about. So from your professional opinion, like how much of C Spiracy is true and how much of is it fabricated? I mean, I have an idea in my mind that probably a lot is because we watched Cowspiracy and I know how much it was portrayed in a bad light for animal ag and cattle on that one. And so I would imagine it's very similar for C Spiracy, but from your you know, opinion, w- what are the facts here? How much did they just completely miss the mark?
2: So it was, it was overly sensational. And the thing about C Spiracy is that they did highlight uh, issues that are happening. There is slavery there is overfishing. There is bottom trawling, but the majority of the time, and it's and it, it, it is in third countries. It's not the U.S. is probably one of the best country when it comes to seafood. I think it's something like ninety nine percent of our seafood is sustainable that the fish in the U.S. So it's it's you cannot portrait the entire uh, uh, seafood industry as being bad because then again it's being counterproductive, and it's also devalues the people that actually are doing the right thing and are doing the good things for it. So the whole documentary was focused on what was doing wrong instead of, and there was no highlight whatsoever, not even one mention of what was doing right, apart from the f- fake shrimp who were made with Paul oil, by the way. Good job. Um, t- so it's, it's that, for me, that was the biggest problem about conspiracy. And then, again, yes, some issues are, are, are true, but it's, it's again, it was just too, way too sensational. And they, they did lie about a lot of stuff. Like there will be no fish by 2048. That story was retracted. Everybody knows the story was retracted. It's why I use it. And how Netflix allows such documentary to be aired and be seen by so many people without doing a fact check. How can they do that?
0: yeah you actually said two things in there that I had written down for talking points, so I want to kind of pull them out and just dissect them a little bit further if there's more that you want to add on these specific talking points because yeah, i sorry I get really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I did pull out that alarming statement that we will run out of fish by twenty twenty eight I thought wow, that is really bold um and I had actually heard you before because fun fact for all of our listeners, Valentine was actually on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I had listened to that before, and I heard you quote that you know u s um Sustainability is around 99%. And I also heard you talk about that, you know, seafood as a whole is about 80% sustainability. And so you touched on this topic that it's something that Tara and I talk about all the time. It's a spectrum, right? Nothing is perfect. There is this spectrum to, you know, sustainability in the fishing world, much as there is a spectrum to regenerative, sustainable practices in you know, land agriculture and animal agriculture. And so I think I want to spend time talking about that spectrum, like the good to bad and how you said, you know, not everything is perfect. And that's what Seaspiracy focused on. It was like the very end of the bottom of the spectrum, instead of talking about the spectrum in general, and then also highlighting, you know, the way opposite end that's doing like a really, really good job.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that study came from 2006 and it was just, it was basically, there was one little paragraph that mentioned kind of this. It was not even the topic of the whole study. And then they actually decided to stay. Like, they, they it, you know, every study has peer reviews after. Like, nobody agreed with them. Um, there's actually quite a lot of stuff that are coming up. Uh, so California is a very, very great uh, example of that. Like the fisheries recovered, and that's really awesome. And again, that's another thing that people should be highlighting. According to the UN, 78 percent of the seafood consumed around the world is from sustainable source. With, are we doing great? No. Could we do Could we do much better? Yes. Again, like every industry, including plastic, including agriculture, but it is not doom and gloom like seafood purity quoted uh, it. And the problem is that people will not stop eating seafood. Like that, that it, it, it is not happening. It is not a direct consequence of, of the, the, that documentary. Um, so what now what people do is like, why would I pay $3 more for that one? This is bullshit. Anyway, it's not even true that it's more sustainable. So I'll just keep that. I'll buy the $1 salmon instead. And what you're doing right now is you created an entire wave of consumers who just won't care about doing the right thing because you tell them there's none of it.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point that um, it's something that we've been talking a lot about, actually, Natalie and I, not a ton on the podcast, but just like it's amongst ourselves that like, when we create like doubt in consumers mind that doesn't mean they're going to stop eating meat they're not going to stop eating fish but instead they're just not even sure what to buy it just it creates so much confusion and ultimately i think is a more detriment to our food system than a positive like they're doing more damage than good in the end because as you said people are not like stopping eating animal proteins like that's not what's happening here and then another piece that you said um, something similar to the Cowspiracy like how does Netflix get away with continuing to market these movies as documentaries as fact based without any retraction of this misinformation I mean Cowspiracy they had to they sent out a tweet saying like oops we made a mistake on one of our facts it was like the entire premise of the movie similar to this one that has been completely retracted and it's crazy to me that in animal ag if we state something like I know in dairy and I, I think it's across like all Checkoffs, you know, it has to be fact-checked by USDA. I mean, we're so regulated on what we can and cannot say and, and, and so, like, double-checked. And nobody is holding these other people accountable. In a little bit different direction, though, uh, I... I'm so curious about the plastics part of this conversation, because when the movie first started, I kind of thought maybe that was the direction it was going to go. Like, you're never really sure where they're going to take these. I mean, you know that it's going to end up with a vegan narrative, but like, how are we going to get there? And so there was a lot of conversations around plastics, that a lot of the plastics are fishing net, like all of that. What does that look like on, you know, the factual side? Like, what facts do we need to know? What could we be doing better around plastics in our ocean?
2: So one of the big issue with plastic is that it cannot be taken away from the ocean. So the whole like ocean cleanup, it's, it's too messy. If the net is too big, it's missing all the little stuff. If the nest is too small, it's grabbing a bunch of the sea life at the same time. But once it's in the ocean, it's, 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 it, it's done. So the one thing that you can do about plastic is the whole single use plastic and, and reduce your plastic consumption. Is it our job to do this? Partially, but I say if, if things are available to us, I do not think that you can put on a consumer a burden of changing their life habits. It's as a government, your job is to make the like to make people's life easier and the planet's life better. So it is not Susan with four kids then tell her not to take back. Like it's, I'm sorry. It's just, it, it makes no sense. So it is the government's job, in my opinion, to, 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 to have that burden and not make available those stuff.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've never heard, <laughs> again, we're going to learn so much. We're actually, if you're going to pick up on, we're pivoting to the part of the podcast where we just ask you questions we have about <laughs> uh, the, the seafood industry that we don't know. Um, so it was interesting to hear you say that, that, um, and I think it's helpful too, that the point to focus on is not once it's in the ocean, the point to focus on is before. So I think that's really helpful and valuable, like a perspective and advice. Um, One of my big personal questions, because I will fully admit you guys, I will say this, it will be a soundbite, you can use it against me. But I have always paid attention to farm raised versus wild caught. Like that is the one label I look for when I go to the grocery store and shop for, you know, shrimp, salmon, like all of that, that the fish, obviously. I don't know where I picked that up from. I think my mom actually like also sources wild caught. And so maybe I picked up a little of that narrative from her, but I have just always felt like I should stay away from the farm raised and look for the wild caught. And obviously, I mean, Tara alluded to this earlier, they did not paint farm raised, you know, fish in a very good light at all in this documentary, but I am smart enough to know that I cannot take what they say for verbatim. It obviously has to be taken with a grain of salt because they did the same thing to livestock and dairy and Cowspiracy. And I know what, how they portrayed us and I know it's not accurate. And so I would love to spend time on farm raised fishing because I imagine I am not the only consumer that has a lot of questions about it and wondering like where that falls on the spectrum. Obviously there's going to be good and bad, but let's just, let's talk all things farm raised.
2: Well, I think I'm going to start by saying that, uh, aquaculture probably represents over 50% of the fish consumed, uh, in the world. That includes dog feed, that includes fish oil, that includes all that stuff. So, aquaculture is here to stay. Aquaculture right now, to be honest, kind of a savior for the ocean too, because when you think about it, it does reduce the pressure quite a lot. So, aquaculture is a good thing and it, 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 it it needs to stay, but it needs to be done right. But then again, buying a piece of fish from a good farm will always be better than buying a piece of fish from a shit wild fishery so it's all about it's the same thing for 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 cattle right that's it's, it's, you can just you just need to buy the right stuff you can't put everything in the same basket um of course now they're trying to work on species that are not carnivore so then that means that they don't need to get fed from from uh from uh, wild uh, wild caught from the ocean and then also they're working on now in seaweed feeds and it's, it's, it's a world that's evolving very quickly. And what we can do is just keep encouraging and, 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 and instead of saying agriculture is bad, it's really more about which agriculture is good. Which one should we encourage? Because at the end of the day, it's like raw salmon in a sushi place or at, at, the, at the grocery store. It's all farm. Like nobody, I think about FDA, FDA, I don't think you're allowed to sell wild salmon raw. Uh, because of the risk of parasites. It's minimal risk, but it's still it's, it's there. Um, and yeah, again, it's just about doing the right thing. I know amazing farms that are doing an like, insanely good job. Same thing as I know amazing cattle farms too that do amazing good job. And I also know really shitty ones. But I guess the most surprising thing about farm fish is that the future is on land, on land fish farming.
1: Kind of crazy to think about that, like our fish are moving on land. But
2: it's it's, it's a beautiful thing because, like, with the with the when the fish poops and then it, it turned out into fertilizer and then they grow veggie with it and they create those like whole ecosystem that it's 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 it's, it's fascinating.
0: I was gonna say, I it's interesting that you said that it's on land because I was actually sent um, an operation here in Nebraska that is. Um, They, I think they do still some farming, but when one of the younger generations came back, he started like introduce shrimp into the operation. I think they're using like old, some of like old corn bins or grain bins or something. I didn't get through the entire like article on featuring the family, but I thought, wow, that is, uh, not, that is like the last place I would have expected, you know, (laughs) a shrimp farm to be is like not far down from me in the middle of the Midwest in Nebraska. So, um, it's interesting that you said that that's kind of the future, like moving towards like doing, you know, sustainability practices that are again, going to be on land. I think this actually moves us into a really nice, uh, place to talk about labels because that would be my next question then to you you know when you were talking about yeah there's gonna be you know you could source from a really great farm raised and find a really bad wild caught you know my question was like how do you tell then? is there a label you would look for um is labels bad because or i mean like are all the labels bad you know because for me this feels a little reminiscent of like grass-fed beef first grain finished beef and how grain finish gets such a bad rap and like everyone's like look for the grass finish label and so I don't know, like when it comes to, you know, seafood labeling, is there one you look for? Is there one you recommend? Like, what would you have for people tuning in about the labels?
2: Well, I mean, while again, not perfect, the MSC is always like a good base. Again, you can do extra research on top of it. Um, Good grocery stores, like Whole Foods, by example, um, they will have good stuff for sale. And it's, my best advice would be to also ask the person who has a counter, like, what's sustainable? Like, how was, how was this fish caught? And then again, you're creating a demand for better products, too. And then that message has been related to the managers and then the people, the buyers for the grocery store. So it's really important to ask questions. Um, same thing with farming. You have the, the, the ASC, then you have the good practices, like, there's different labels. And just, it's all about research, too. Like, you, you need to be kind of well versed on, on what you're buying. And when you research something that you want to like, that you have questions about my biggest suggestion would be search something that's against what you believe and try to read on that and then make yourself a point of view, but don't only Google things that you want to read because then you're going to find anything in (laughs) life.
1: That's really good advice, actually, uh, because we do have such confirmation bias. I feel like nowadays that you know, if you want to find something, you will. So, like, make sure you're reading like both sides and then making an educated decision. I feel like that really is like the premise of this podcast for Natalie and I. Like, Discover Ag is to like give you information like this, and then you take it and make the decision that makes sense for you and what your values are. Because there is going to be pros and cons to every single different food choice you make. But working towards a better system, I think, is what we're all trying to do, try to hope for. And I've never thought about the fact that, I mean, I guess I have, but not the way you said it, that like by asking the people behind the counter, you are driving demand, right? Like you are telling them, you're making them aware of like what people are looking for. What do you actually want? Um, instead of just, you know, thinking about where you're buying, like that you're buying power is just having a conversation. That's like, these are things I'm looking for my fish. Like what fish do you recommend? Um, taking us in a different direction though. I feel like one of the biggest accusations about this film online that I saw a lot of hate around is not actually the vegan narrative or whether we should be eating fish, but that this film was extremely racist and painted like fishery in like a very racist light. There's a lot of conversation around slavery in it. Um, You mentioned that there are there are like real truths. Maybe there is like if there's smoke, there's fire, like there's something there. Um, But the way they went about it, I think, was extremely racist. Uh, Any like. What are your thoughts, I guess, or knowledge on that and like what we need to be aware of there?
2: I mean, it's it was kind of like well-known in the fishing industry when spearfishing came out that the narrative of the whole documentary was you have the mean brown people taking advantage of the poor brown people. And here we come, the white vegan savior to save the fucking day. Uh, and, of course, it got people really angry. Um for different reasons, um, obviously, and I think that's it's, again. I think that is is sadly. I, I don't have anything again, again to vegan, like whatever whoever can pick whatever their own diet. What I do not like though is when they people starting to have bigoted approach to things and how they think that they're better than everyone else. And sadly, this movie, this documentary, I, I can only call it a movie, not even a documentary. It's a movie uh, was really about saying how. Only the vegans care about the world. And for me, that was such a massive kick in the teeth to all the underpaid, freaking poor people just working all day long on new fishing regulations and trying to make the ocean a better freaking plate. Like, who are you? Like, I'm sorry, but like, who are you to like say that the work you're doing is not good enough and that the only thing you can do is stop eating seafood? I thought it was so insulting.
0: Yeah, Tara and I talk about that with, you know, our industries, the same thing that we don't have a problem with people choosing the diets they do, but we have a problem with them pushing that narrative. And then, like you said, kind of degrading the people that were in those industries along the way, you know, elitism is a word that's used a lot. And like this podcast isn't about degrading, you know, that choice and that lifestyle. But I do think there comes a point when you have to stand ground, like if you represent that industry, and you have people within that industry, and you care for it, and you love it kind of like you about fishing, you know, like you said, it is hurtful. And you do have to like, kind of stand your ground and kick back a little bit and be like, that's not true. Like you can't say those things about our industry and just get away (laughs) with it. Like you can choose the diet you want, but don't take, you know, the
2: industries down with you along the way. I have a funny anecdote actually about C-Spiracy and the guy who did it. Uh, His name is Kip. And I've been in touch with him for for a few years now. And I knew he was doing C-Spiracy maybe like, six years ago, six, seven years ago, and I got in touch with him. And I was like, Hey, I was like, I know you're working on this documentary. And like, like, if you want, like, I'm happy to, to help you for free. Like I really, I would be happy to have a documentary that actually talks about a seafood industry and like, if, you know, like I'd, I could help you and like provide something, whatever. And his answer to me was fish are friends. So until you stop eating them, you cannot be part of this. And I'm like, so my answer to him is like, well, you portray yourself as a journalist and then you supposedly to be making a documentary. And I was like, how can you block out people that you disagree with? You didn't want to hear anything about it. Again, when the documentary came out, I came back to talk to him too. And I was like, you did exactly what I told you you were going to do. You did a one-sided story. You basically portrayed the entire seafood industry. And I, I said, like, look at this farm. Look at this fishery. Look at this. Look at that. What are you saying about that? You wouldn't respond to any of my questions. Same like you did with people in this documentary, by the way. So I'm like, see, you also refuse to respond. And then I even try to tell them, I say, why don't we have a sit down, the three of us with the MSC, you and myself, and we'll have a proper conversation and we'll record it. You refuse to do that. I'm like, okay, whatever.
1: I feel like that's not surprising at all, though, because one of the things that we talked about with uh, Cowspiracy is the lack of experts that like people with actual knowledge about cattle ranching. I mean, you know, I can tell that he definitely like handpicks, cherry picks which quote unquote experts he wants to use and leaves in other people completely off of the conversation. And we had similar from Vinny when he did in Beyond Impossible. He tried to interview people and they wouldn't come on. I mean, they just they have their narrative and they're going to stick to it. And there's no way we can sway them like one way or another. And I think that's evident when they won't have people on and they won't actually engage in these conversations. I was going to say, we found yeah,
0: our soundbite sure. Valentine. We're, we're pushing that out on our reel. I hope you're okay with that, but that is going to be <laughs> all over the internet because I think that is just, uh, it really speaks volumes about the creators of this film and the intentions of this film that you reached out beforehand and said, for free, I will contribute my knowledge, my blood, sweat, and tears. Like, I will put in the work and the labor to help make this an accurate representation, you know, to do some good, like to make it a documentary that actually does some good. Um, and they weren't interested, you know. I think that that's all people need to know about CCRC in general is because I can't imagine that you were maybe the only person, right? Maybe you were, but I, maybe there was a <laughs> handful. Maybe he turned down, you know, help after help after help. help you know, which just goes to show they only had one thing on their mind. They only cared about one thing. They were only going to include, you know, things that supported their agenda.
2: There was two things that I felt also disappointing. The the first one was that, so again, when I was talking to him, he, he, I I obviously told him, I said, like, do you realize that by having a dogmatic approach, you're never going to create any change because that never happened in the history of humanity. What makes you think that you're different? And he basically said, well, I'm starting a movement like Gandhi and Martin Luther King. I'm like, did you just compare yourself to like really, like really? Anyways, (laughs) one parenthesis. The other one is that, so they had this super famous videographer, Sylvia Earle, who's super well known and has a great reputation. And she was just at the UN for UN, uh, like underwater day, whatever it's called, ocean, international uh, ocean day. Um, and I'm like, really? Like the UN is having as a guest speaker, somebody who publicly said in a documentary that there is no sustainable seafood, that it does not exist. How can you do that? That's a problem right now. Conservation is all about clickbait. It's not about making people happy. It's about proving who cares the most.
1: It is crazy when you see people like that that are invited on those really big platforms to share. And it. I think it, I think you said it best when you said it's like a kick in the teeth. Like it, it really is. Like it's like, where are the other people that actually need to have a spotlight put on what they're doing? Or like you talking about the fish farms that are doing incredible things. Like why aren't they there talking about these things? Like that's who we need representing this industry, not someone who is very vocal about just wanting to end it and not necessarily wanting to make it a better place. Valentine mentioned like the white savior complex. Natalie mentioned elitism. And actually when I watched this film for the first time, I ended up down like a very crazy rabbit hole with how pushing this narrative of not fishing and just even like veganism in general can be really harmful for um, like indigenous populations, especially I think the video I watched was about uh, Greenland. And it was saying that they didn't think people should fish anymore or even be able to, you know, um, like hunt mammals that were on, you know, land and how crazy it is to think though that we what those people wanted was for them to import food like potato chips and peanut butter i remember those were the two foods they were they could literally have at their like local convenience store and how expensive it was how imported it was and it was like it is this like very much elitism to think that we are all going to be able to go vegan when there are places across the country where it makes sense for them to be fishing or doing other types of animal agriculture. And it was just wild. It was, I, I, I feel like they like kind of like glossed over that in Seaspiracy, but the actual truth was a very different picture and, and really like very um, upsetting to see that we were going to be changing these people's lifestyle, like generational lifestyle of how they've done things.
2: Of course. I mean, there's over 2 billion people relying on seafood. So it's, 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 it is it's completely unfair and completely unrealistic uh, to suggest that the vegan future is the best option. And then on top of it, to even have the, the the audacity to say that it's the only people that care who can do that. it's just And then to refuse to talk about any alternative solutions, any alternative to what would make good agriculture, what would make better wild fisheries. They refuse to have that discussion. How can this be credible in any type of shape or form? I, I I I I don't get it. So
0: to kind of wrap this up, there is something I heard you say on the Joe Rogan podcast that I think is one of the wisest things I have heard someone say when it comes oh boy, to was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, when it comes to. Making choices about the food system. And you said, I'm going to say it loosely, but then I kind of want you to elaborate on it. You know, he, I can't remember what he said. I think he asked you like, well, what what should I be choosing if I want to be sustainable or something? And you said... Um, tell me what you believe in and then I'll tell you how to eat. And you said, do you care about protecting the ocean? You're going to choose one thing. Do you care about modern slavery? You're going to choose another. Do you care about, you know, the Marine footprint? You're going to choose another. And I thought, gosh, gosh to me, I say that's wise because everyone, everyone I feel like is trying to put sustainability in a nice little box and say, you choose one way and it solves all the problems. And this is the best way. And that is just not true. It is not true when it comes to anything with our food system, there is nuance and complexity. And like you said, there are so many different things to consider. And so take it away, whatever you had to add about that. But I just thought that was one of the best like sound bites I have heard about our food system yet.
2: Well, I think that it's all about, it's, it's, it's all about also, again, it's research and know, and kind of knowing what's happening because seafood is one of the most complex, uh, first of all, seafood is the most treated community commodity in the world. And it's one of the most complex system too. You can eat a fish that has been caught in Polynesia and then it's been, uh, Philite in Taiwan, and then it's been uh, processed and put in bags in freaking Germany and then sold into the US. It's very, very, very complex. So, but it's still the clean one of the cleanest protein that you can eat uh, on the planet in terms of like footprints, carbon footprint, especially. Um, But again, it's maybe you want to, maybe you feel like encouraging uh, US generations of fishermen who are doing the right thing and respecting the rules. And then that's what, that's what you need to buy. Maybe you want to the sea, the sea to replenish. And then, so then you want to focus on, on good farming. And then maybe it's, it's again, it's, it's just, it's all, maybe what you care about is good seafood that does good thing for the ocean Then eat mussels. It's, it's just, it's everything is so varied. And then there's so, again, there is no food on the planet that has no impact. So, pick what impact you want to have and then pick what you want to eat.
1: That is so well said. That last statement you said is one of my favorites because it, I was on a board meeting this week and it's actually something one of the farmers in the room said, every food has an impact. It, like it all does. It doesn't matter whether we can claim carbon neutrality and that we're doing this and that. It, it still has some kind of impact. You are taking a resource that is a food and it's feeding us and we're taking that from the earth. Like that is the, For sure. you know, like this, the point of animal or of food in general. And so, picking what you want and what you feel passionate about is really, I think, what's important instead of, like Natalie said, that neat little check the box. I did what I was supposed to for the planet. Like, that's all. Because also, like, try to compare again, a fake shrimp with palm
2: oil. Try to compare soil culture, this creates deforestation, that creates so many things. It uses pesticide. It's in, like, I'd rather buy, a, a, for me, a filet buying from a local fisherman is. A gazillion times cleaner than a, a pack of tofu you get in your grocery store. Gazillion times cleaner. But bit. Conspiracy people think, seems to beg to differ.
1: They definitely weren't having you on. I can see why. <laughs> uh, my final thought on this actually is um, is the response from the fisheries. Like, I think that in response to conspiracy. Overall, you guys did such a good job, um, like a well-rounded job of putting out information out there for people to see. Like I feel like when you Google like facts about C Spiracy, I know like right away University of Washington came up. Like there was really, really great resources. And I love the one from University of Washington. I always go back and quote it when I'm looking at things or I get asked questions because I mean they literally like it is like C Spiracy fact and then they state what the truth is. Like C Spiracy, like what they said, and then break it down. And it is just point by point by point. Um, and I just think that's really helpful for people to see. I think it's helpful when it ranks high on Google. So it actually shows up. I mean, it was just very well done by you guys as far as your response to this movie.
2: Yeah, I think it's, the, it was, the response was good too. I think sadly that it picked up way too much press for, for, for my liking, but it's, it's as I guess one, one of the good sides of the internet is that now people can fight back. But then again, the problem is when you tell a lie, it takes tense truths to make it right. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yep. Well, um, thank you so much, Valentine, for spending the, you know, this episode with us and and imparting all of your wisdom on all of us. Go ahead. And
2: can I just finish with one thing? Oh yeah, of course. Quickly. Okay. Sorry. I just want to touch on Mercury super quickly. Oh yeah. Because that's, Oh, we should have asked you like, is there anything from the
0: film here? Let me say this for you. (laughs) Is there anything (laughs) Valentine from the film that we did not
2: touch on that you would like to highlight? (laughs) Because it's a question that I get probably the most frequently. Like, yeah, but what about mercury? Like, People send me a lot of messages like, well, have you checked your mercury level? Yes, my mercury level is fine. Thank you very much. Um, if you eat feed fish two, three times a week, make sure you just like don't eat bigger fish all the time. So like swordfish is very high. It's still within an MBA limit. So it's still not, you really have to be eating, let's say tuna, swordfish or shark four or five times a week for like. Three, four months, then yes, maybe even more than three, four months, then you may be at risk for mercury poisoning. But other than that, shrimp have nothing, bivalves have nothing. So anything that's like uh, uh, mussels, uh, oysters, snapper, barely any of it. Like it's not, it's barely anything. And it's very important to say that there's a component called selenium in fish and seafood which counterbalance the effect of mercury. So you're supposed to actually be eating seafood. And that's a lot of research that is saying that. Humans, be homo sapiens eating seafood is what actually uh, uh, triggered uh, the the cognitive revolution. And this is because we started eating fish. That's how we became smarter much quicker. And there's another study that's fascinating. They're comparing women that have uh, pregnant women who ate seafood and pregnant women who didn't eat seafood. And the one who ate seafood, they saw an increase in the kid's IQ by an average of 7.7 points. That's a lot of freaking points. The moral of the story: If you want a kiddo to be a smart cookie, eat seafood. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, like the health benefits, so much outweighs the insanely minimal risk of you getting anything bad of seafood—that's microplastic or mercury. Like, please eat seafood. Your life is going to be much better, and your health is going to be so much better. So is your kid.
0: My husband, if he listens this episode, which he's not, he doesn't listen
2: to a lot of podcasts. The disco, <laughs>
0: he doesn't that. listen to a lot. <laughs> he will be dying to sit down and dine with you. Which actually, we, I bought him, I gifted him um, your latest cookbook because he, ah, uh, thank you. Yes, um, behind steak, and I don't know, it's even probably tied.
1: He, there's nothing better to him than really,
0: really good seafood. So.
1: I was going to add, you'll be happy to know my landlocked children's favorite food is oysters. I actually just sent them to the ocean this morning with my parents and we had to talk last night about what our favorite what we were most excited about and they were like, We just wanna go and eat oysters. So I'm like, Good, boost those IQ points, kids. Keep eating the oysters.
2: (laughs) There you go. Well, you know what? I'm gonna have to come visit you guys and then I'm gonna bring seafood and That's it. (laughs) I think I would rather come visit
0: you and do some, uh, you know, spear (laughs) fishing than have you come up here, but maybe we can exchange trips. That would be fun. (laughs) Exactly. We'll do both. (laughs) Um, All right, Valentine. Well, why don't you plug yourself? Well, people can follow you plug your cookbooks so that people know they can buy those, do the whole thing.
2: Awesome. Well, you guys can follow me on uh, Valentine Thomas on Instagram. I answer my messages. So if you have any questions, uh, just fire away. If I don't answer the first time. (laughs) You can harass me. I will answer <laughs> at some point. I'm just busy. Uh, and then, yeah, cookbook. Uh, if you like to cook seafood, uh, I just published a cookbook called Good Catch. Um, the first part of the book is very technical. So I will teach you how to buy fish, how to store fish, how to utilize different parts of the fish, also how to use fish swap. So all different t- type of preparation and then all the spices and sauces you can use and you can do yourself. And then the rest is all recipes and travel stories. So if you're a good cook or shit cook, the book
1: is for <laughs> <laughs> It's for you no matter what. Exactly. I love it. I am I feel like you've convinced me we're a big seafood household. So I'm hearing Natalie got it for Luke. Now I feel like I need to go buy it too. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us cattle girlies, as Natalie said, it was fascinating learning all about it. And thank you for all the discos for following on this series. We will be back next week with one more. And this will be our film where we highlight a positive uh, film in animal ag. And then we will see you guys on Thursday with our regular episode.